and welcome to episode two of Foley Adair. I'm going to apologise now because we both have colds. I'm not sure you can tell, but we've been sniffing it all morning. And Elle's got a bit of a deep, scratchy like thing going on, Jay. yeah. So first of all, I want to thank Liam, our lovely friend Liam from work, who has made the theme tune for Foley Adair. Um, he was working hard on it uh, late at night, last night, and Judah, oh. his girlfriend, was sending me uh, pictures. And one of them was a video on Snapchat of just zooming into him, and she's like, if I hear this one more time, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Judah. And then also want to thank Easton, who is now, since the last one sounded so awful, lovely. <laughs> He's been lovely and offered to help out on sound and tech and stuff like that. Yes, because she does a lot more than we do. Yes. Also last week, Elle, I... Um, oh, also hello. last week, I showed Elle... A photo of a doll from Facebook. Since then, I've had a couple of people asking me to see the doll. So I just thought I'd let you know that every time we talk about something or any case that we talk about, there are going to be photos put on up on the Instagram, which is we are underscore foliadir. So make sure to follow that if you want to keep up to date with everything that we talk about or if you're ever curious about some of the people that we talk about. We'll put up mugshots. And everything like that. Anything interesting. You might also get to see a little bit of how we work and the madness that it takes for us to be organised to do this. Yeah, this took a little while. We've both had a lot going on. I've had some exams and uh, you've had an awful deadline, haven't you? Yeah, not cool. <laughs> so, yeah, we're both at uni, so getting to do this is a bit of a push, but we're going to start doing it every week. So watch this space, I guess. Do you want to go first or shall I go first? I went first last week, so I'll let you... Me? Wonderful. This one's a long and light. Strap yourself in. Seatbelt is on. Okay, so I know we spoke about how you were going to do a plot twist. I love a plot twist. Yeah. So I was going to do one and I actually have one written up. Then I got pulled into another one. (laughs) Uh, Seen a documentary on Channel 5 and I think I'm going to tell you that one instead. Channel 5 do some good, like... I murdered my husband and stuff like that. I didn't realise this is called the Ki- What the Killer Did Next. Oh, they do one on the virtual as well. Like Killer Kim and stuff like that and like Deadly Woman. They do loads of I like the Deadly stuff. Woman one. I like mm-hmm. the Deadly Woman. Yeah, Netflix do. Netflix also have some crap documentaries. To be fair, there's too many documentaries yeah. to watch. <laughs> um, so that is actually one of my sources and another source is The Sun newspaper. The Sun? The Sun newspaper. So... For anyone who's not a part of England, the sun is a, normally full of like kind of Katie Price showers, yeah, and the waterfall in celebrity Mexico. fake news. But this, or like page six, is the sun the one with page six? It's three. It's a lot. I knew it was a specific page six number. Six if you've got both out. <laughs> and three is just the top. Just the top half. So. <laughs> Is that, is that the sun? Yeah. yeah wonderful. <laughs> That's half right. <laughs> but yeah, the sun. I, it was online and it was a cracking article, to be fair. It was the thing with most information on. But the oh. documentary was, I was watching it last night, Denny and Dave. So my mum and dad came in to watch. And they'd already previously seen it and hadn't told me about it. So I was a bit good about that. <laughs> um, to be fair, I did when I started researching my plot twist murder. One of the first websites to come up with the Daily Mail, but I quickly just can't straight do it past myself. that. No, 
Probably I for think the it was best. informative, but it's just gonna. Kind of, the headline me. had parts like emboldened and capitalized, and I was like, I'm out. Yeah, no, English newspapers, when things like this aren't the best for information. But yes, so. Stive? Yeah. Have you ever heard of Helen Bailey? The disappearance of Helen Bailey? I have not. Have you not? Tell me more. I think I might have told you a little bit about it, so it might start to click. Okay. And if not, I'll tell you something at the end, which you definitely all know. I know, very cryptic. So, Helen Bailey lived in London. Um, She's a successful children's author and is mostly known for the Electra Brown series. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, no, I don't know what that is. She's also wrote like a series of 22 like short stories. Um, But that's what she's known for. It's quite like, not children's, more like adults, not adults, young adults. Do you know Tracy Beaker and stuff? Yeah, okay. Stuff like that, I think. So she was married to her lovely husband, John, and they were on holiday in Barbados back in 2011. He goes swimming and heartbreakingly, when he's going down to the sea, she's like, be careful, take care, um, watch what you're doing. And then, unfortunately, he gets caught in the waves and uh, sadly drowns. Oh, God. So Helen is stranded on holiday in Barbados. Alone. Uh-huh. And when she talks to her neighbours, one of the things they said she said was the hardest was being over there, having to like pack up his clothes, having to do all of this, and move back over here, having lost her husband away. And like a process of her moving on was unpacking his clothes and everything like that. She had like a really hard year back in 2011. Oh, can you even imagine getting back on the plane? I know. And there's just an empty seat next to you. Everything about it absolutely awful so she had an awful awful time um so when she gets back because she's a writer yeah she writes a blog <coughs> called planet grief oh uh-huh so she talks about like her loss and people kind of chime in and talk about their loss and it becomes this blog basically like a forum for widow like widows and widowers what oh, a nice widowers? thing to do right i know it's such a lovely thing and then she re- released her first book aimed at adults uh-huh. which is called when bad things happen in good bikinis i know oh. right which is all about it was published in 2015 and it's all about her like what happened and then how she's like grown and like the life that she's leading now and it mentions her relationship with gghw right okay and um, the gorgeous gray-haired widower I know. Oh. So you can tell you can tell from that that she used to be like a young adult, uh, right? Right. Yeah. And but she'd actually met him on her blog. Okay. So they both suffered like massive, tremendous grief in the past, and after meeting online, they became like really fast friends, and then became more of an item. So oh. obviously, when you suffer from such a loss, it brings like. It brings people together, especially when people have lost their partners. It's something they can definitely, like, lean on each other for because they both yeah. know what they're going through. But this is totally online, not in person. Yeah, totally online. But they get engaged and they move to a rural oh. town. Yeah, right? This is, like, over a course of, like, four years. Um, they move to a rural town called Royston in Hertfordshire, okay. which is very near Cambridge. I didn't have a clue. So where London is here. Uh-huh. For those who can't see, I'm figuratively holding my Fisting hands up in the middle. The <laughs> um, and then Cambridge is like just north okay. of that, so it's still in the area. Mm. And then Royston's like 
a little town off Cambridge. Uh-huh. I believe it is still in Cambridge. Um, and if not very close to Cambridge. Cover all the bases. <laughs> it's around. <laughs> it's in England. It's in, it's around, it's near. So it's like a cute little town which has like markets and they have street parties. Like a lovely, hearty English town. Oh. And like everyone, neighbours, are like Got absolutely lovely. Yeah, right. Also, she had a dog called Boris. I know it's like oh. a little mini dash hand and she's to take them oh. everywhere and they move into quite a big house worth 1.5 million. Oh yeah she's got the dollar she's worth like life insurance probably. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um so with e- uh, she moves in with Ian he has he has two sons with his previous wife who sadly passed away and um, her dash hand, Boris, um, moves in as well. Um, but she's kind of person that as soon as she moves in, she's known to be so lovely. Um, and when she moved in, she like does the rounds around the house and just is like, hi, I'm Helen, if you want to co- come over for tea. So she's really quite close with all of her neighbours. Yeah. And on this documentary, it has quite a lot of neighbours talking about the whole situation. Ooh. So let me take you to Friday the 15th of April. Take me there. 2016. So this is... Five years after her husband died, probably about four years after she met. Ian. I was gonna say Boris. <laughs> Ian. <laughs> it's a whole Tony situation all over again. Brian. So, Ian makes a phone call to the police and is like, Helen's been missing for four days now. Excuse me? Since the 11th four of Four days! <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. Four days! <laughs> four days. Quite a long time. Yeah, absolutely correct. However, he. <laughs> He, your face right now. He, he is like, yeah. She was. She's in the middle of writing a book. He said that he wasn't concerned because um she likes to write alone. So she left a note saying she was going on holiday, um to work because they had a holiday home in Kent, which is on the coast, and um, called Broad in Broadstairs maybe in Broadstairs. And she said that she was just going there. Um, to like get rid of the stress and just write by herself and she's okay. going to take Boris but then since that day she's had no communication between her and Ian oh. at all right so he's starting to get a bit worried and Ian even rang her brother said that he's not heard from her and asked if he could go around to the cottage and uh-huh. check that she's which is a holiday home and check that she's there which she isn't so throughout this time Ian's been trying to call out tons of times but there's no answer and the phone um isn't even ringing oh i know so ian tells the police that helen's been worried and she's been really quite anxious and has been feeling like super tired and lethargic as of late so she wanted to take a break but friends confirmed to the police that they had a really good relationship and they were still really like lovey-dovey and very quote touchy-feely suspicious yeah right um, but because she was going to a, a way to write, in her novel, she talks about, in her novel, the one that she wrote. Adults. Yes. She talks about sometimes running away and just forgetting everything. So. Well, it's like an answer. Yeah, I think. Or just as like a desire to. Yeah, just like a desire escape. to, yeah. So because she talks about this and because everyone says that she's in a really good place and then she said she left this note. They're like, right, we'll keep it in mind, but it's not a high priority. But then we find out that on the 16th of April, Helen's phone connects to the holiday home Wi-Fi. 
Ooh. Right. Um, in Broadstairs. So if she had been there, where was she now? Yeah. And uh, like they checked her cellular connection as well, but the cellular connection hadn't put anything up. Uh-huh. So even though she might be on airplane mode, it still might connect it to Wi-Fi. So then on Friday, the 22nd of April, 2016, by this point, she's been missing for 11 days. Police start to get worried and decide to speak to Ian at home. Yeah. So this is when they started to, do you know how police have like body cams? Yeah. They recorded them on the body cam. Um, and oh, did you get to see that? Yes. Oh. oh. Definitely watch this documentary. It's fantastic. Um, it's on Sky. Well, you can get it on Sky. That's where I watched it. And they confirmed that last time Helen was seen on Monday. Um, she hasn't been seen in 11 days. And in this day of in age, really, you can't not leave a trail. No. So even like though... Like, card details yeah. are... Her, like, did she leave by car, by train? Where is she? Where is she? Exactly. And then even if she was, she left this note, she was saying she was going away. In reality, that's... You're going to take a big sum of money. Or people are going to see you. Like, if you know that you're not going to be coming out of a house for 14 days, you're going to do a big food shop. Uh-huh. You're going to make sure you're going to feed your dog. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's no phone calls or anything. Um, so then on the 22nd of May, which is six weeks after. Six weeks. Right. He's dead. She's still not there, right? Hmm, well. <laughs> so on the 22nd of May, six weeks after, neighbours were asked to participate in searches as police increased their search radius so what they were doing was they were getting people around the town to walk through fields do you know when they all hold arms arms <laughs> hold my arm so it's a hand and an arm if you were curious <laughs> so they were holding arms hands they were holding hands and walking through fields but at this point when they do things like that isn't that when they look for a body yeah. rather than like a runaway. Yeah, it gets to the point where they're like, right, we've not this heard anything. It's been six issue. weeks. What's going on? So they Whoa. were... But then Ian, throughout this, neighbours say, is going up to the searches, not participating in the searches, but being really, like, grateful and thankful and being like, thank you so much for putting, like, all of this effort into finding my wife. If my partner went missing... Yeah. And we're now looking for his body... I don't think I could be part of the search because what if I was the person that found his dead body? Yeah, right. And it's not something you can ever unsee. unsee. Absolutely. Yeah. So I totally agree with that. And everyone just says he's 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 saying thankfully so grateful, but he just looks oh. so lost. Oh. I know, right? So please start tracking her digital footprint, social media, <laughs> phone, email, bank statements. And they realise that Helen has made bank transactions since she's been gone. Ooh. Exactly. Right. But then a standing order from her account has been moved into a joint account, which was always happening, but now it's been upped from £600 to to £4,000. A month? Yeah. Large increment. Large increment. Yes. And her Arsenal season ticket has been renewed as well. So, because when I when I plan to run away, <laughs> I think actually no, there's a bit of a match on next week. You can't miss it though, I can can't. you? You can't. I really can't. Hoodie, big glasses, off you go. No one can see. Same seat. 
Um, <laughs> right next to Ian. <laughs> but anyway. Um, wig. So the police go to Ian um, to let him know that we, they've noticed that this is happening. But Ian's not there. Ian's not there. And they don't know where he is. Has he left a note? No, no note, no, not anything. Because it turns out he's actually gone on holiday <laughs> for two weeks to the sunny Spain. <laughs> as okay. any grieving widow would. Um, yeah. So they haven't found my wife yet. But if you just call me. I'll get the first plane back. Absolutely mad. It's the way that people act in situations. Oh, strange. I know when people look at someone and they do like an interview or anything like that, sometimes I'm like, you can't really be like in that situation. Everyone is very different. Yeah, and I completely agree. And I don't know how I feel about, do you know when people watch people's body languages in interviews when they're like, oh, their lip moved here. It obviously means that. They didn't mean that. This now worries me because if I was ever to be, you know, we were doing like appeals yeah. on TV. I don't have any emotion. You do not have a single it's emotion. It's gonna look like it was me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank you for trying to find him. I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> for those you. of you who don't know, Elle, um, she's not broken, but she just doesn't show emotions. We're very polar opposite. I cry at anything. Happy or sad, and L probably cry once a decade. Yeah, I've seen. I've in our three years of friendship, I've seen L cry once, um, and it was about three tears. They were just sucked right back up. So, <laughs> yeah, I just don't know how I feel about that because, as you say, yeah. you and I would act so completely differently. So, you know, you may have just gone on holiday, um, but hello, suspect number one, <laughs> please come on down. Because why you didn't think that that would look suspicious is maddening. Um, so this now has become a murder investigation and he is top suspect. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do is take you right back Ooh. to the day she went missing. Uh-huh. Monday the 11th of April 2016. So what happened was Ian has a GP appointment and he did mention that to the police on the video. It is there. And he's like very nonchalantly he's just like Oh, at one point, I think uh, I think I had a GP appointment. But then he's very much like, oh, but then I went to the dump. Or did I go to the dump the day after? Was a so he's not, he's not Ooh, being like okay. I did this, I did this, I did this. He's very much like, was it here? Was it then? Was it there? I don't know what I did two days ago. Right, but then, yeah. To be fair, yeah. So then he's. What they find out is Ian definitely had a GP appointment in the morning. Yeah. And he told police that, but he actually had to call to rearrange due to car trouble. Yeah. I know. Later that day, at his new 3pm appointment, his GP describes him to be quite... He got a doctor's appointment on the same day. (laughs) Can I just... How? (laughs) And... Yeah, to be fair, I don't There's think of that as soon as I've seen in it. That village. <laughs> because I'm like, hello, uh, can I have a doctor's appointment? They're like, yeah, we'll see you in three weeks' time. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then... That's more suspicious than any of this measure. He's <laughs> got them under the thumb. So then this new 3pm appointment, <laughs> the GP is like, he looks very distant, he wasn't really acting very... 
Does it say what he went for? No, actually, but I was really trying to look. I was very curious. Um, but then again, when you're looking at it later, was he trying to establish an alibi? Right? Because you've definitely got that thing here. And then later that day, um, he goes to the tip straight after the GP appointment, which in America is like a dump. Um, but in my hometown of South Shields, it's actually described as South Townside Recycling Village. I was just going to say, if you were going to take a body to the tip, yeah, there's very specific buckets that you have to put stuff in. Yeah, You've got like waste electricals, compost. Why are you so wood. clued up? <laughs> Went many times as a child. <laughs> Day out of the tip. Yeah. <laughs> Where so, does the body go? Well... This is the thing. He doesn't chuck away a body. He chucks away a duvet. And he's caught on CCTV. <laughs> daft bitch. <laughs> Bad move. Um, and then after going to the TIFF, he goes to see Helen's solicitor. I would love. Did you get to see the CCTV? Yes, you do. So there's a duvet rolled up. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's like, Not like in a long body like In <laughs> a body shape. Yeah. I didn't have a hand sticking up, but it was um feet at the end. <laughs> it was it was like folded and rolled, so it was like imagine you could put your arms around it like that and chuck it in. Yeah. Um, right. No, it wasn't like a suspicious body being thrown in a tip wrapped in a duvet. Um, <laughs> I was hoping for. But you you can see it. He like walks up the steps and just throws it in. Is it like heavy? No, no. It's it, duvet. Yeah, just as you might duvet. Um, and then he goes to see her solicitor, who is currently in the process of helping her sell one of our properties, which is in Gateshead, way up in the northeast. Um, but Ian apparently was super aggressive about it and was trying to push the sale without Helen being there. But then it's like, oh, Ian, no, it's her money. So obviously the solicitor is like, due diligence, I cannot yeah. do that. And um, so apparently leaves really angry. And then at 8.49, he goes to watch his son play bowls, which I had a bit of a chuckle at. This <laughs> is so 80. Because <laughs> I had to rewind it in case it was like, oh, that was my shoulder. I had to rewind it to make sure they definitely said bowls. <laughs> Sorry if I've offended anyone that plays bowls. <laughs> At the young right age of 20. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then takes them for a Chinese after. So like, standard eating. <laughs> Bulls and Chinese, yeah. Netflix and chill. <laughs> so, like, so you look at this and it could be a normal day, but then when you think about it, jumping from pillar to post, it yeah. could be alibi. And how often... So, do you know when they say you replace your mattress every eight years or whatever? Yeah. I've had the same duvet for like three, four years. Yeah, because you wash the app. Yeah, you wash the duvet yeah. cover. Under no circumstance. If I didn't have other stuff to take to the tip, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'll get rid of that duvet. Do you know what? I'm not feeling this duvet. I immediately need to take this one item to the tip. Mm-hmm. And he does just pull in, put the duvet out, gets back in the car and goes. Um, so then... After that day, and also it said in the documentary that he's never went to go support his son playing bowls before. <laughs> he's not an 
avid he's bowls not an avid observer. Bo- no, no, he's not. So it was just this one time. Um, but then on Friday the 15th of April 2016, the documentary actually plays the 999 call. <gasps> yeah. Um, so I listened to that. And they ask her her date of birth. They ask him her date of birth. Yeah. And he says, like, oh, crikey, which is the most British thing. Right? Crikey, you've thrown me there. Um, you've thrown me. Yeah. He's like, crikey, you've thrown me there. It's like, well, if you're reporting someone missing, you need to know what they look like, how old they're going to be. So he's got to go double check her date of birth. And then he was like, I don't know a height. She's told us this before. How could I forget? But you can look at someone and be like, oh, well, you're about taller five, than me. Six. Yeah, right. Um, and then he forgets her eye colour as well. So, how I... Has he seen this woman before? <laughs> <laughs> and then, remember that note that Ian uh, said she left on the Monday? Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't find that at all. <gasps> so he said it and then he was like, oh, I threw it in the bin. I threw it in the bin. But then they couldn't find it in the bin. Probably take it to the. It's in the dune. <laughs> it's in the, the dune. In the dump. How did you not? How did we not think of that? Um, and then in the interview on that day, that's when he's like, "Ooh, I don't know where I was. Was I here? Was I there? Was I where?" And then on the sixteenth, it turns out that he actually went to Broadstairs. So do you know when I said that the phone connected? <gasps> yeah. So that was Ian. And then they find Helen's will. So Helen's will states that the next of kin is Ian and that he would be looked after if anything were to happen to her. Bearing in mind she's worth well over three million. Yeah. So then, July the 11th, that is around two weeks after we found out that he's gone on holiday. She's been missing for three months now um, and Ian's back from sunning up in Espana. Got a tan. <laughs> Looking Still good. Looking full of fox. Um, and the G-G- police go to his house. HM3. GG. GGHW, yeah. Um, that sounds like some kind of weird sex thing. Doesn't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then it reminded me of, do you know Angus Bong's Imperfect Noggin? Uh-huh. When she like nicknames everyone, like yeah. the Italian stallion, my friend of Um So even though there's no body, police go to his house and arrest him for the suspicion of murder. And they're like, Ian, you're under arrest for suspicion of murder. Is this on body cam? Yes. Oh, you see it all. And then he just goes, you're joking. And then like sits down. (laughs) So then um, the police get a warrant to search his house. So Ian is indicted for theft, murder, and something about like wrong wrong disposal of a body. So like not proper burial. What's the right way to do it? a, a funeral kind of thing. Is that illegal? Apparently so. I can't just throw you in the sea. Nah. You've got to... Okay. Yeah, you've got to do it in a certain way. Which I was not aware of, but then again, if you just threw me in the sea and I popped up, I don't know, a little France. bit further south. Yeah, <laughs> on the sunny, sunny Isles of France. They'd be like, oh, murder. So I think for things like that. Okay. So they have an interview. He's very aloof. In the police station, uh-huh. super aloof, doesn't respond, and doesn't reply to any questions. So he gives absolutely nothing away. Oh, I love a no comment. So then, whilst he's in the police station, they're like, sweet, he's not here, let's search the place. They search, do full search of the house, um, 
because they really they've got nothing they've got no evidence they mm. don't have a body they don't they just know that she's not here yeah um so they're hoping to find something in that way but originally when ian's getting arrested when they go in because they've got the search warrant he's like oh why are they in the garage and then like like once they've arrested him the last thing he says before he's taken out of the house is oh they're in the like why are they in the garage like you know, you're giving it away a bit here like so then the police search the house they've um with snipper dogs and they've got two acres of land search all of that land they've got a swimming pool and they've also got the garage search everything sniffer dogs and all nothing Even comes the garage. up yeah so they eventually give up and they go and tell the neighbors that they're finishing the search and the neighbours have been a bit, like, frustrated because, obviously, there's been police everywhere. It's quite, like, a lovely little town. Mm. And they had a generator because it's a crime scene. So if people are working overnight, they need lights mm. and everything like that. Um, and apparently it was super loud. So they wanted to go and let the neighbours know, like, don't worry, we, we are going to take this away. Yeah. And they'd be coming back to collect it later that night. As to one neighbour's daughter, it's like, ah, oh, you know about the well, right? They did not know what? about the well. So they drained a tank, but it was just a septic tank. Yeah. And um, turns out that in the garage, <gasps> under a jeep, is a manhole cover. Under a jeep. <laughs> yeah, they just didn't move the jeep. Yeah. <laughs> so, to be fair, it worked for him. He wouldn't have got away with it if it wasn't for that pesky little kid. <laughs> so then, under the manhole cover is a cesspit. Right? Oh, God. So, and they find the body within two hours after that girl says, you know about this, right? I know. So it turns out she was suffocated, um, and that's how she died. But they can never work out whether this happened before or after she was put in the cesspit. And because he's like, no, it wasn't, wasn't me, Ugh. they've got no answers. Um, however, she was also found with Boris. No. So he'd killed the dog as well, which is equally as heartbreaking why did he have to kill himself because i think his that she always went for walks with the dog and she always was with the dog yeah. so if 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 boris was there and she wasn't suspicious suspicious yeah so um yeah so they found them both under the garage but remember when i said that she'd been feeling really lethargic and tired mm. so in the autopsy, they find traces of zopiclone in her system. Okay. Do you know what zopiclone Tell is? Tell me more. This is your time. It's Drug time. Shy. So, zopiclone is a sleeping pill, and it's prescribed for insomnia. Uh-huh. So, it takes about an hour to work, which was why she was sleepy in the day, because he was giving it to her every day in a scrambled egg for two months, making her feel, like, super tired, really impressionable. So, he was looking after all the stressful stuff, oh. i.e. money. <gasps> You should only ever use Zopiclone as a short-term drug. Okay. You build a tolerance to it, and it's just not, like, a very good drug to have. Yeah. Um, because it can build up anxiety is one of the side effects. So, have you ever heard of diazepam? Yeah. It's it's very similar to diazepam, okay. but it's not that strange drug. Um, but they pretty much do the same thing. It promotes longer sleep, and it prevents waking up, so, like periodically through the night you know how some people wake up like yeah. a lot and then struggle to get back to sleep you just be dead yeah it cuts that out and it also decreases the time it takes for you to drift off 
So you go to sleep, drift off, and then you're pretty much straight into REM. Yeah. Rather than taking like a while. So you get like a good full sleep. Yeah. Give that to someone in the morning and it's just going to make them super lethargic. So when she was like really tired and everything, um, she couldn't do a lot of things. So most importantly, it was making a week so she wouldn't have had much strength to fight back had anything have happened. Um, So then after that, he is fully rested, goes to trial. During the trial, Ian spat some absolute bullshit to the jurors that Bailey had been kidnapped by two men on a while she was walking the dog, um, known as Nick and Joe. You know, like all those famous duets in life, Sonny and Cher, Anna and Dick, Bert and Ernie, and then Ben and Jerry. Um, Nick and Joe assaulted him, saying that there were a pair of business associates of Bailey's late husband, so John, even used John, bless his soul. Um, but the story's extremely dismissed by the figment of Stuart's imagination, and they just kind of gloss over that. Um, so he's just literally pulling anything left, right, and centre to try yeah. and get out of this. The sentence is unanimous. He's put under for murder, fraud, preventing legal burial, yeah. and three counts of perverting the course of ju- justice. I've wrote judgment here. Absolutely incorrect. <laughs> um, and he's put away for 34 years. Ooh. And then a heartbreaking quote that I pulled from her book oh, no. is that she says about, what was it, GGHW? Uh-huh. If things don't work out, then it will be heartbreaking. If they do work out and we live happily ever after, the cruel reality is one of us will be widowed again. And she wrote that in her book, which just breaks my little heart. But I thought I'd include that. Um, However, on the plus side, this may end up, his sentence may end up being pulled a little bit longer. Because you remember how I said they met on her widow blog? Yeah. Right. You can see where this is going. For grieving widows. So in 2010, Diane Stewart, Ian's wife, was found dead in her home following what they thought was a natural result of epilepsy. But after he's charged with <gasps> Helen's murder, the detective reopens the case because... She, yeah. So then he's been released pending investigation, but the last article I read, it's confirmed that just because you can't see anything happening, um, it's still under investigation now <sighs> and he's still... It's very much they think something's he not right her. with it. Exactly. And that's the oh mother of his God. two kids. Um, so the reason why I thought you would know this is because our lovely friend Rachel from work her dad cleans pools and you know she's from the south right Yeah. her dad was cleaning the pool whilst during the time Helen was missing so literally (gasps) pools here garages there meters away was cleaning this pool oh my god Uh And so she told me about this when she found out I loved true crime. And I was like, what? <gasps> so, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. So Ian hired him. How mad is that? But God that is damn. the disappearance and murder of Helen Bailey. Woo! Even though it's kind of the usual plot twist of like, oh, oh it was the partner all along. Yeah. It was a bit more, I don't know what the word is, but like leading me down a path of... He could have been doing this for years. You don't know how long did he meet her with the intention of killing her. Well, that's one of the things that is said, is it like, did he do this to his wife? Did he plan for her because he realised she had a lot of money? Or was it something that he 
just kind of happened. Maybe they had an argument, he's pissed off, woke up, killed her. But then a lot of the things that he did that day makes it seem like, well, obviously he wouldn't have done it that day because it's been happening for two months of him poisoning her. Yeah. And the Zopper clone was ridiculously so prescribed to him. Like, he was obviously having trouble sleeping, but yeah. don't put that in the system of the wife that you're about to murder because that's because it's going to lead it back, back to you. you. Yeah. So, madness. Ooh. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Interestingly, the man in my story is also called Ian. Oh, here we go. Shoot. They take a lot of this from the LA Times mm. and also a BuzzFeed article, which usually I would dismiss as being shite. But it was an interview, and there's a lot of quotes in this, so I really enjoyed it. So, also in 2016, Ooh. I'm going to introduce you to a lady called Angela Connell, mm-hmm. who is from Phoenix, Arizona. She meets a man online, Ian Diaz. Ooh. And they quickly fall in love. It's kind of a, they're infatuated with each other, they can't live without each other, they're both Crazy enough. Right. Within a month, they're married. No. And she's pregnant. <laughs> oh, okay. Whoa. Fast. Fast family. So fast. Angela then moves in to the condo that he already owns. So they're kind of building out a family together. Sweet. He is a US marshal. Okay. I had to Google what this was. I'm so pleased you did, because I don't oh, have a clue. I thought you would have known. No, no. So it's someone who's responsible for apprehending fugitives. So maybe like a bounty hunter, but not illegal. Okay. You're doing it to arrest people who have escaped the law. Okay. Pretty interesting. That is a great job. It is a great job. So by all intents and purposes, he's a great guy. They're happily married, he has a good job, they're going to have a baby. Happy life. In May of, I say met in January, mm-hmm. in May, her happy life quickly starts to descend. Okay. She starts to receive threatening emails. Many of the emails come flooding in from different email addresses, but there's one that continues to come through. Some of the emails start to include really graphic images. Some of them include pictures of women being beaten, women being sexually assaulted by men wearing masks. That's awful. And it even escalates to pictures of aborted fetuses and decapitated women. And she's is she like not very well known? Is she just like a normal person? She's a normal, a normal American woman. That's awful. Terrifying as well, oh my gosh. Really scary, can you imagine? Ping. You open an email and it's just a headless woman. <sighs> Some of them also have text. It's not just really grim images. Oh. On May 29th, one of the emails reads, I hope you are scared to death tomorrow. Be prepared, don't sleep. Wow, you couldn't after that, could you? We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. You are a piece of shit. I hope to God you burn for what you have done to us. Normal woman, no enemies. She's just like you or me. May 31st, two days later. You deserve nothing but a life of lonely torture. I have ways to hurt you. There is no place that you will feel safe anymore. 
This next one is weirder. June 1st. You might be beautiful. You might be the one that he married. But you are still a sinner and you must be punished. I will make sure you are reminded of your place by fall. June 2nd. These are coming in at a really rapid pace. I know that you're leaving work. I'm watching you as you walk. (gasps) Things like this terrify me. Because it must be, it's not just random. You would panic anyway, but you would kind of think, this isn't for me. This isn't, I don't have enemies. I don't have people who are out to get me. Yeah, and you can't see someone wanting to do that, anyone you know wanting to do that, do you? So it could, somewhere in your mind, you must think, this is a mistake. Mm -hmm. But if someone knows where you are and is watching you. That petrifies me, you know. Just walking around. And if someone did that. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. So for months, she's getting these emails, these images. She doesn't know what to do. Has she told? Yes. Yes. She has told Ian. Yeah. So in June, she's alerted that a post has been made to Craigslist. Mm -hmm. And it's listed under a woman looking for a rape fantasy partner to attack her while she's out walking her dog. So it's like women in, because they're in LA now, so she lives, women in LA area looking for man to attack me during walking my dog, hold me down and rape me, I'll pay you. Craigslist is something else like, isn't it? It's dark. So she looks at this, and the name and the address and like the description of the woman to be attacked Mm -hmm. is her, but it's posted as if she is asking to be attacked. Like, hi, I'm Angela, I'm five foot six, brunette, please come and rape me while I walk my dog. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Newly married, pregnant woman is finding adverts. That she wants to be raped online. People are sick. There then appears another one where she has replied to someone else. So someone's posted, I would like to rape a woman. And she has replied that she wants that person to rape her, even if she resists or she screams. It's all part of the the game, almost. Just keep going. That's what she wants. I actually can't say anything else other than, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, Angela and her husband Ian obviously are trying to think of who this could be. Yeah. Kind of racking their brains. Does she have any enemies? Is anyone out to get her? And the thing that stands out for them is that in one of the emails that I read out to you, is that you might be the one that he married. Yeah. So... They start discussing, because obviously at this point, they've only known each other three months, mm-hmm. or maybe more, from January to June, so it's been about five months. You probably haven't discussed your entire life with that person yet, Yeah. so they're trying to figure out each other's backgrounds, and it comes up in conversation that Ian used to be engaged mm-hmm. to a woman right before he met Angela. Oh, Ian. Ian, No. So, Ian. So she was a top woman of <laughs> high political standard and good morals? Absolutely. 
So Ian convinces Angela that these messages are coming from his ex-fiance called Michelle. They start to kind of talk to each other and they're like, oh, it must be, it must be her. She's jealous of our happiness. We're married, we're going to have a baby. She's trying to ruin this for us. Which you would think is totally understand. So then on June the 6th, Angela files a restraining order from Michelle, mm-hmm. citing that a lot of the emails were coming from addresses that had part of her name in. So it would be michelle676 at gmail.com or mm-hmm. something. A lot of them would involve part of her name somewhere. Okay. And she thought, the restraining order's been placed. This is going to stop. Okay. No, it doesn't. Oh. So that was filed on the 6th of June. It goes quiet for a little bit. But then on the 24th of June... That's still not very long. It is not. Uh, Angela calls 911. She has been ambushed by men trying to rape her in her own garage. When the police get there, they find Angela crying. She's got red marks all over her neck and like her chest. Yeah. Her clothes have been torn. Like she, they've attempted to attack yeah. her. But she said that once she began screaming for help, it was only when she started to ring the police that they backed off and ran away. Okay. So it's almost as if in these replies that she's posted online where she says, just keep go, keep as long as attacking me, even when That's I'm screaming, fine, yeah. I'm resisting, only when she called the police, did they flee? Yeah. So she's worried that, again, people are posting online saying, this is my address, come and rape me. Yeah. So Michelle Hadley, who's Ian's ex-fiancé, mm-hmm. is arrested the same day with police believing that she had orchestrated the attack, trying to get Angela out of the picture. While Michelle is in jail, the abuse stops. Okay. But then her parents pay a $10,000 cash bail, and the day that she is released, the abuse resumes again. She's getting emails, all of these things are appearing on Craigslist again. It's back. Yeah. So... On July the 14th, so this has been going on for another month now, Michelle is arrested again when Angela calls the police, reporting that someone's lurking around the house where they live. Mm-hmm. She's terrified. She thinks there's going to be another attack. You wouldn't be able to sleep, would you? No. Your life is in turmoil. Like, it's... You can't do anything. Without thinking that someone's yeah. there watching. Can't walk your dog. Can't go to the shop. You could get... Attacked. In the hope that someone's gonna not in the hope in the in the fear yeah that someone that someone is gonna attack you. Yeah. So after she calls the police this time, she's arrested under an, a million dollar bail, with the Orange County District Attorney saying they truly believe that it's a public safety issue, and that if Michelle Hadley isn't arrested and kept under bail, that Angela Diaz, she's called now that she's married, mm-hmm. will eventually be raped or killed. Yeah. So they seriously believe that it's her. Yeah. As you would. You so would. I'm convinced. Yes. But obviously, they don't have much evidence to go on. Mm-hmm. A few email addresses that are vaguely in her name. Yeah, in a similar time period. Yeah. Much to go on. They need evidence. Mm-hmm. By September, so this has been going on since May, by September, 
they have a huge break in their case. All of the emails, all of the correspondence, and all of the Craigslist posts have been coming from Angela. Ah! <laughs> Your face! <laughs> what? Everything uh -huh. has come from Angela's own devices. She's been using a VPN, she's been making fake email addresses. She's done this to herself. Well, fuck. Plot twist number one. Oh, I forgot you said plot twist. <laughs> so. Oh, well, I did not see that coming. <laughs> so now we're going to go back to hear Michelle's side of the story. Okay. So in July of 2006, mm -hmm. Michelle comes home after going on a first date with a guy that she said went really well. She had a really good feeling. And by July, they're already married. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Because the abuse started in May. Okay. So this is July. Okay. She arrives home, pulls up into her drive, and police officers are waiting outside of her house. Mm -hmm. They have a search warrant to confiscate her phone, her laptop, and her tablet. After them searching her house, she's shortly arrested. Michelle originally met Ian in 2013, okay. when she was 26, and he was 35. Diaz really quickly, again, it was like a whirlwind romance. Okay. But he quickly started to show that he was quite controlling. He demanded that she should dress sexier, she needs to wear tighter clothing. He wanted her to wear fake nails and wanted her to get a belly button pierced. That's really weird. Weird. He pressured her to leave a job that she loved, take a $20,000 pay cut to take a job working with some of his old friends so he could keep an eye on what she was doing. Ian would spy on her computer, he would track the location of her car, and he would call her every time that she would drive even a mile away from home. And it was like as soon as she was kind of out of his view, he'd be straight like, on the phone. where are you? He always knew when she was going somewhere that she didn't stay. That's awful. Yeah. But he proposed in December of 2014, and Michelle said yes, because she said that his influence over her was growing more intense, and she said it wasn't like loving someone, it was like being under someone's spell. Oh. Weird. So after they got engaged, he began asking Michelle to have sex with other men so that he could watch and film what was happening. She kept saying no, Yeah, and they kept having arguments about it, and she kept trying to leave him, mm -hmm. but that didn't happen. Eventually, on Valentine's Day, she agreed that if she could take some drugs, she could have some whiskey, she would have sex with another man. She did, mm -hmm. so he turned to Craigslist to find a man who would have sex with his wife on video. The next day, she felt disgusted and she begged him to delete the film mm -hmm. and kind of remove this from her life. Yeah. And he said, no one forced you to do this. In the summer of 2015, the couple bought their home together, but the relationship quickly grew more toxic. 
One occasion during an argument, he threw Michelle onto the bed and began to restrain her by the neck while she tried to free herself. At the end of summer, shortly after they just bought the house together, she decided to leave him. Mm-hmm. She Thank gave God. back the engagement ring. Yeah. But he accused her of having an affair. Okay. Undone. Yeah. So the relationship ended very badly, but it began a year-long legal battle over who owned their home. She okay. had put down the deposit. But then he was accusing her of having an affair. Having an affair. Yeah. They wouldn't speak to each other face-to-face. And he started to contact her via email. It became more bitter and to the point where she gave a statement in the BuzzFeed interview to say at her point of being most enraged, it felt like she blacked out and she just let loose with language that she's disgusted by herself. Yeah. And was just going in on this email that she had sent to him. Like a bit of a, not a keyboard warrior as such, but just letting everything out that yeah. has been pent up like so many years, yeah. I guess it's a snap, isn't it? Yeah. And especially if you feel like you've been in a controlling and an abusive relationship. Mm. You've now got a chance to actually say what you've wanted to say for so many years. Yes. The opportunity that probably most people never get. Yeah. She can do it. So, she sends him this email, but... That's what he wanted. Um, and he shows this email to his police connections. Because mm-hmm. obviously, being a US Marshal, he's obviously got quite a few friends in the force. Right. And he has done this to make sure that she was on their radar. He tries to file a restraining order against her so that the police know that she's a That's dangerous so woman. So, Hadley said that during her time in prison, before it was found that it wasn't her, she wouldn't wish incarceration on her worst enemy. Mm. She wouldn't have ever described herself as the kind of person to have any enemies. She doesn't know why this has happened to her. When she was in jail, because of the fact that she was facing what was essentially sex charges, because she was trying to get another person raped. Which, to be fair, is awful. If yeah. you if you heard that someone was trying to do that and you didn't have any reason to believe that that wasn't the case. You would think they're the worst kind of person. Really, really would. She was branded as one of the most dangerous inmates. She was often strip-searched, confined to her own cell for 23 hours a day, and was denied access to basic human things like sanitary products. That's so humiliating. Yeah. And degrading. When she was finally released... It was said to be because of Ian. On September the 30th of 2016, Ian arranged to speak with a police detective who was assigned to the case. According to court records, he had told them he believed his wife had framed her. Mm. Interesting. He told the police that a miscarriage that Angela had claimed to have suffered in 2016 because of all the abuse and the torture that she'd been receiving yeah. was fake. Oh, and she was never pregnant in the first place. No. What he said happened is that he'd encouraged her to have an abortion because he didn't believe that that baby was his. Okay. They'd only known each other for a month. They very quickly got married. Yeah. But she was playing it off and telling everybody that she had miscarried 
and trying to make it look like Michelle had also murdered a baby. Oh, okay. She then apparently fell pregnant again after Michelle had been arrested. Mm -hmm. But that was a lie. Just going to steal your children. Because I'm running out of battery. (laughs) Ian said he'd found proof that she'd bought sonogram photos online. She'd doctored a home pregnancy test. And as soon as he found this out, Mm -hmm. he decided to go and tell the police. The police also discovered, after seizing all of her like personal phone and her laptop and everything, that she had been faking cervical cancer. Pretended, the worst grade of human. Yep, the worst. Faked having cervical cancer. Was pretending to be an attorney. She was forging doctor's notes and faking pregnancies. Something's not right there. Absolutely not. On October the 17th, Angela pled guilty to 10 felony charges, including false imprisonment and perjury. When Hadley was kind of being accused of the same, she had faced a maximum sentence of life in prison for the crimes that Diaz had accused her of. Mm -hmm. Angela struck a deal with prosecutors and was given five years in prison. So, she is claiming that due to his history mm-hmm. of abuse in previous relationships, that it was him. She now serves time at a female community facility in Central California. But she'll be getting out in five years. Which in 2016 is pretty much now. Yeah, plus I feel like we've learned from learning about all of these is that they're never really in there for as long as they're supposed to be in there for. No. That's mad. And real, real plot twist. Do you have a recommendation? Oh, do I? I just quickly, (laughs) (laughs) just quickly off the back of that, did anything happen with Ian? Or did they? No, so no one believes that. Okay. So her interview with BuzzFeed what Michelle does now is she's an advocate of women's rights. Okay. And because of his kind of high standard as a US Marshal, yeah. nobody particularly believes him to be an abusive man. Okay. It was portrayed in a lot of the media as a vicious love triangle between the two women and Ian. Right. So what Michelle does now is a lot of her interviews and a lot of what she talks about is how the case hasn't been taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Both women haven't particularly been protected from him. And that her life now, she can't get a lot of jobs because there's a period of time where she was accused of sex crime. You'd think they would check that before arresting her. You'd think they would look into the... I guess I'm not a police person, but you would hope that they would look at the actual facts. Yeah. and find someone rather than just being like, oh, I could possibly be this human, must be this human. <laughs> the only person who we could think this could be. Um, my recommendation for this week is completely unrelated to, 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 to true crime. Yeah. Um, it's Queer Eye. Have you ever watched it? No, I made you watch it, didn't I? Yes. I made Elle watch Queer Eye because I was going through exam stress and I was incredibly stressed yeah and I like to have something on in the background 
and if you ever need something to watch which is just so wholesome and good and pure is the only way I can describe it, please watch Queer Eye. Um, there's five guys and they're all amazing and they're so talented in what they do. But yeah, it was just so uplifting and it was something that I really enjoyed watching, which with my love of true crime and everything like that, it was something that was just massively positive. <laughs> um, and I cried at like every episode. <laughs> Because I was just like, oh, so beautiful. Oh, he's happy. Oh, she's done this. <laughs> I was having such a good time. Uplifting. Um, so that's my recommendation. Should I talk about my live, laugh, love ball? Uh, our story to end this week? The story for the week, since you had Brian last time. It is I don't think anything will ever beat the Brian story mind. People have been loving the Brian story. However, I... Before Christmas, got a bottle and was a live, laugh, love. Well, it wasn't. So, Hydrate Mate is a company which do like bottles which tell you throughout the day how much you should have drunk. Yeah. And I am the least hydrated human going as of late. So, I thought it's really something to get me to drink more. And it does really work. It's just more the fact that I don't really like water. So, I have diluted juice because I'm a child. Um, adult juice. Adult juice, yeah. I get the Robinson's adult version. Adult juice sounds a bit... <laughs> not all right. <laughs> Should really not call it that. So, my mum bought me a Hydrate Mate, and it's a lovely bottle. It's like clear, and on the top it's blue, which is the same colour that matches my favourite nail varnish. So Denny was like really up there with our choice. And when I opened it on Christmas morning, I looked at it, and it said, Live, Laugh, Love. And as she must have seen my face a little bit, because then she was like, "Oh, are the words all right?" And I was oh, like, Jenny. "Oh, yeah, I love it." Because my mum is the purest human; she's fantastic, um, and I couldn't bear to break her heart. So I just told her that these words were wonderful and they were fine. And I have quite the reputation at work of being like your classic, basic, high maintenance, blonde girl. Five hundred. Yeah, like there's tons of stereotypes surrounding me at work. Um, and I'll let them all off, so it's fine. But this particular one, everyone was like, for God's sake, Amy, you're going to have a vinyl on your wall next. Live, laugh, love. What are you? Who are you? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my mum bought me it. And they were like, right. <laughs> and then the, I was sitting at work and I was getting like photos of like wall vinyls saying live, laugh, love, sent to me by text. People oh, were coming over to on me. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> People, um... <laughs> There was an Instagram post, which obviously a couple of people were following, and there was a live something about live, laugh, love. Mm-hmm. I got tagged in that. I got sent it privately. I got everything, every live, laugh, love thing possible was just hired at me. Um, and then I walked into the like lunch area at one point, and everyone was like, I listened to the table conversation, and it was talk- they were talking about my live, laugh, love bottle when I wasn't even here, and people were like walking in and going. I like your bottle, Amy. And I was like, you've not seen my bottle. <laughs> Honestly, um, it's an absolute nightmare. But yeah, I love my live, laugh, love bottle. Well, that'll be the mantra for this episode. Yes. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Murder your wife. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Have a great rest of the week. And we'll see you again this time next week. Don't forget to live, laugh, love. Bye. <laughs>